Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. Yes, it's 8 a.m. or it's 8 p.m. Sorry, on a Monday. Um, I've been working since 8 a.m. and just got home. So yes, I'm a bit knackered and a bit out of it, as you can probably tell um, from that, uh, that intro. Um, and uh, we've got uh, Steve joining us, who was just saying as as we, uh, but just before we went live, that he's uh, that he's been made sick by some of the comments about Super Rugby this year. So, um, particularly by JK, anyway. Um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we're in for a good show tonight, folks. Um, and uh, for those of you, don't forget you can watch you can watch us on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, or, or X, we already call it. Um, and you can actually join the live chat on YouTube and Facebook. Um, and uh, also you can listen back on the old podcasts. But um, how are you doing, Mr. Cornflake? Doing well, doing good. I mean, it's only one in particular that I don't like his comments. One Aucklander that was a terrible coach that shouldn't really say much. But hey, uh, good weekend of rugby, right? Uh, fun, exciting, lots of points, lots of scoring, uh, tight finishes, red cards. I mean, we had it all, liquid all sorts. Stick your hand in the bag and uh, see what you can pull out. It was an exciting weekend of rugby. On the pitch, yes. Not many people bothered, bothered to turn up and watch it off the pitch. Understand, but that was go. going to be my first point of the first game, you know. <laughs> despite the fact that no one showed up to watch it, uh, it was still exciting to watch on TV, like many people in Melbourne thought that it was also more exciting to watch on TV. But alas, <laughs> it's, it's a shame, right? It could be like, look, what you know, you, you want a big event, you need like only a few things to work, right? You need people to show up, you need the sport to be entertaining, and uh, that's pretty much it. And you've got yourself a good event. The sport was entertaining. But no one showed up to watch. <laughs> that was the problem. It was even when the Rebels played, it wasn't really that. It was a little bit better. You could tell a lot of people were there to watch the Rebels because, hey, local team. But, man, wouldn't have been good if we could have had, like, a even a half full stadium for, like, the whole weekend, like, you know, Sevens used to be back in the glory days. Yeah, take this take this, take this, this magic round to Fiji. Then you'll get full grounds. So that'll be fun. Yes. Um, doing it in Melbourne. Sorry, it just doesn't work. Um, at the end of the day, yes, I understand they're paying the money. Um, but look, if you get the crowds, um, you don't have to worry about the money. All right, the money comes to you once you got the audience. Uh, it, uh, 
uh, rather than having to chase the money and lose the audience. It's the wrong way around to doing it, please. Um, there you go. Um, good evening, Hugh. Um, sorry, he says, this point of the crowd, but there is no other place in Australasia that's willing to, to pay to host a sporting event. You're probably right, yes. Um, but that's the problem, isn't it? Um, following the money, not the fans. Clearly, Fiji could not afford to pay for, for, for this round, no. Um, but um, wouldn't it be great if every team on a rotation got to host Magic Round once a year? One year, like on a 12 year rotation. Super round. What's super magic round? round? Magic round, super is round, whatever league? it's called. Oh. The, the, the other one is on the other, if it, if it's, if it, the other one's on NRL, probably. Um oh, boo. <laughs> hey, why don't we go to Las Vegas? That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, I'm not sure that uh, well, I'll hear on Wednesday whether that works or not, but I don't think that, that I don't think that was a very good idea. Better um, crowds. Sorry? Better crowds. Better crowds? Oh, good. Um, Simon says, yeah, host it in Adelaide. Yeah, but if, if, you, if you're planning to put a team there, sure. Um, but um, but yes. the um, It was a great round of rugby, though. Um, the Alios, look, I had my kids this weekend and I was working most of the weekend as well. So I've not seen much of the rugby. I've, I've done, uh, I've caught up on all, all the highlights. And I have opinions because, hey, who needs facts when you've got an opinion for an opinion? So, so on, on, on that one. Um, and as Octana writes, says, yeah, at least all the players played their part. Even the guys who got red cards, absolutely, they played their part too. <laughs> if not for the whole game, <laughs> they played their part for some of it, at least. Uh, dear. But I guess um, we kicked off with what was uh, with one of the two kind of um, uh, kind of uh, sort of big sort of big uh, sort of heavyweights. I, I would say of this being the two New Zealand sides uh, with the Highlanders playing the Blues um, in that um, opening round and. Um, the uh, and as, as we were just discussing, Hosking Satutu, uh, pre 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 show, uh, got himself a hat trick in this one, making the top try scorer, uh, in the competition, uh, with um, with five tries at the moment, uh, which was which is uh, pretty impressive. Um, so there's been quite a few guys, uh, scoring it pretty freely, uh, in uh, in these kind of uh, in some of the in some of these games, but um, so what do you make of the opening game? I mean, the Highlanders really, um, uh, perhaps, uh, uh, struggling to keep pace with the uh, with the Blues uh, when you think of that, that actually um, this scoreline was closed up by a try after the final whistle, um, so it really was uh, so it really was kind of a um, a comfortable win or, or again not not comfortable a game that uh, the Blues always looked kind of in the lead and in control of. Well, not right at the start they didn't because they got off to a horrible start. The Highlanders were on fire, nice and early. They started yeah. off about fifteen or so nil. They were on on a cracker sort of start for the game, so. Um, no, no, you, you're watching a different. You're watching a different game. How am I watching a different game? So, um, yes, we open up with the, with the Highlanders try, but um, yes, Hoskins Tutu comes back and it evens up five all. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah, sure. Your friend keeping scored, and the Highlanders are in control, and then Patchell scored. It was all it was all Highlanders three tries to one, all the way through. So it wasn't until well, I can't, it wasn't fifteen nil, but it was what three tries. Um, come on, do the mess. Three tries to one, and then Pirafit got a penalty. So Islands were, were not cruising, but they got off to the better start. That's for sure. They were leading. Um, they were hit the blues. It wasn't until really just before half time that the blues kind of turned it around and that that crusaders time, as they call it, you know, just before, just after the halftime buzzer, and then into the second half that the Highlanders really fell off the way. Um but it was that directness of the blues that really set them apart. You know, you can tell not only by their scorers. 
Um, but the way they played and forced the Highlanders to make a lot of tackles, like a Nocturnal says, but they forced them to do a lot of defensive work. They forced them into playing more up the middle than they probably would have liked because now the Highlanders, you know, they've got all that excitement on the outside. They've got all the fast finishes and the Blues kind of turned a, a bit of their own medicine of the Highlanders of the past being all about that forward play and, and the Blues come and played that with themselves. So it was a bit of a turning up of the tables and the styles, but I think the Highlanders started off well. They just had a little period, well, a good period of crucial areas around, around halftime that they kind of fell asleep. Come back late, made it a bit closer than it actually was. Blues were pretty much cruising by then. But, you know, to be called a heavyweight to start the round off, I'm taking that for a start. So, you know, there's, there's one win. Um, and the development of Reese Patchell throughout the opening um, couple of rounds has been quite incredible. So he was phenomenal in this game against the Blues. I mean, he's a standout and a Highlanders jumper. It's good to see those players standing up and performing. You know, the guys that we like, oh, we could be good. We could have a good back line. Things could work for us. Um, actually turning into results. So I went into this not expecting a victory. Uh, the Highlanders, I think, played better than I thought. It's come through with this with, what, four tries. Um, and while the Blues going, Blues only got, what, six or five, I can count. So, five. you know, they didn't... Yeah. They didn't go too badly off the boil. I thought they were pretty close. They got it right to the end. Um, and, yeah, one or two moments if they kind of caught their concentration a little bit better uh, could have been could have been a difference for them. But to the Blues' credit, though, when they got into the 22, especially their second half, they delivered points. I think that was really crucial. And they delivered them really quickly as well. Uh, like, you've seen them. So they close to the tries to uh, Satutu in the second half. He just crashed over. And it was only a, a few phases in. Whereas the Highlanders went on attack. They took a while to break down uh, the Blues' defense when they were in that attacking opportunity. So uh, the Blues probably could have made a bit more on it if they, you know, uh, forced themselves into the issue a bit more. If they went into that next gear, I feel like the Blues still had a, a bit more to offer in that game. But they kind of just uh, kept the Highlanders away, especially when they got that control and that dominance in their forward pack. But, you know, from a Highlanders' perspective, I thought that was um, a fairly good effort for them. Oh, man, they get five. I was looking at the wrong line. They got five as well. Yeah, that's right. The guy on debut, just on the field, come in, scored that try, and then converted as well. That's right. That was a cracker. Good little lad. Great stuff. The um, but yeah, it was. And um, well, try to get um, goal kicking um, not great. I mean, sure, yeah, they missed three conversions, but then I mean, the Blues missed two conversions, right? Um, but the Blues took three points with penalties where the the Highlanders didn't, um, and that ends up being the difference at the end of the day with this. Because as you say, it's five tries each. Um, it's just a couple of a couple of penalties, but it's that game management um, in that uh, in that first half. Um, the Blues might not have been getting points, but they were playing in the right areas of the pitch. Like sixty six percent possession, sixty four percent territory, really were, um, and, and perhaps not getting the reward they should have done. But uh, but that control, as I say, of of the uh, um, of the game clearly uh, the uh, try after the hooter um, on in the first half um, to take the lead. Uh, was would have been dispiriting for the, for the for the Highlanders, um, and that obviously got the 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 um, and then another quick try straight after half time after half time meant that um, the Blues did your typical Crusaders thing, scoring the side of the half, uh, get yourself in the lead, and uh, basically don't look back from there. Um, or the, the the sort of championship minutes, all of that kind of um, rubbish sayings that they have. But yeah, they really did did, did dominate those. Um, a bit of concern for the Blues around their scrum, losing three out of seven of their scrums. Um, but um, another thing that um, uh, the uh, another thing that uh, 
uh, we were kind of um, heard. I think it's probably actually one of the um, was it, I can't remember if it was Six Nations or or, or Super Rugby where we said lineouts are now the important thing. Um, mm -hmm. That uh, look, the Highlanders lost three lineouts. The Blues perfect from their lineouts. So again, you need that platform. That platform is so important nowadays. It ties up all the forwards in one area, and it gives you back space to room, uh, space, space uh, room to play. Uh, out wide so if you can uh, if you can get your set moves working it's great I know there's things, some things in there about percentage tackle completion yep the Highlanders tackled well and um, defended well throughout this 90% um, tackle rate um, but um, one of the stats that, they, that I remember reading for a couple of years ago was that it doesn't tackle percentage isn't the thing that um, is a good guide as to who wins the games it's the number of tackles missed rather than percentage missed um, 27 missed by the Highlanders 19 by the Blues um, so again, uh, those key, those two key little stats there: number of number of tackles missed um, and um, and lineouts. Tidy up those two, and I think you're in for a, a good thing. The, the the tackles one actually is about keeping hold of the ball a bit more. Don't give the opposition so much so much possession. Um, but yeah, and whilst I think Patchell's been great, um, or has been really good with his uh, and has shown his kind of his offloads and um, his his ball playing. Um, I think the combined kicking of the uh, or tactical kicking of the the Highlanders perhaps needs a little bit of work, uh, a little work on though. I found, yeah, talking about the kicking, like it worked a lot. The crossfield kicks uh, when you're in attacking zones, it worked a lot and it didn't work a lot. I I love them and I hate them. Right, it's that thing where it's like if it comes off, you're like, whoa, yes, do that some more. That was brilliant. And when it doesn't come off, you're like, oh, we're just giving away the ball, a pointlessly, right. <laughs> Uh, it's just one of those silly things. Keep it in hand, you know. You're near the 22. Keep hold of the ball. So that's frustrating, but it's rewarding. I think Petchel loves to do those kicks. I think he's got danger players out wide that he can kick to that do work with his back three. So I don't mind it too much, but they did they did pump a lot of those down. You saw just about more of those than you did any sort of real territory kicking as in looking for open spaces and, and that sort of thing from them as well. But... You know, if you're going to look at this from a Highlanders perspective, the way they come through this game, they were shut out of that first half. And it's intriguing that, you know, you say that Blues scored that try just to get that lead after extra time of the first half. They were really shut out of that game in the first 40 minutes, stat-wise, right? And it just mm. goes to show that stats tell you one thing, but it doesn't mean, you know, you take the scoreboard out of it and and say, you know, the Blues were trailing until dead on half time, yet they had over 60% of, possession and territory for that first half um just goes to show how well the Highlanders were taking their chances in that first 40 minutes but I did find it interesting watching it full time uh with the post-match interviews of this game when the Blues talked a lot about how they didn't mind if they trailed going into half time because their game plan and it's very interesting to hear this from the Blues as well who typically aren't a team that do this sort of stuff but they had a very long-term game plan of wearing down the opposition through that style that they were playing which surprised me because the Blues typically I don't consider having the brain capacity to put together a full 80 minute tactic like that so it's nice to see you know for from a Blues perspective to actually being able to put that together execute it not get flustered by being behind and then stick with the plan and continue to you know execute it through and actually get the reward at the end of it uh is pleasing from their regard so uh they played their game plan they knew that they're probably going to struggle to come in that first half of the lead. They did anyway. Well done to them, but it makes things easier for the second 40 minutes and gives you confidence 
in future that he can execute that sort of plan as well. But from a Highlands perspective, yeah, less ball, um, still still score tries. I'm excited by the back line they've got, the outside backs, the finishes. Just trying to get that link up, right? That combination, everyone on the same page. I, I think that, you know, this this competition, you look at it, you know, and the games you're going to look at later, we'll see some other teams are going to talk about. And we're like, oh, I had these guys maybe not making, you know, the playoffs. And now you're looking at going, who's next? You know, these guys probably could make the playoffs. And is the Highlanders a team on the threat now of not making it? So it's a lot more intriguing to look at after just two rounds um, than it was, you know, a fortnight ago. Yep, and look, um, not too much. Vern Cotter looks a very grim man in the box. I think he looks like a very, very <laughs> grim man for all the time, to be honest. But what you're talking about there about sticking with the plan shows that, mm-hmm. or, or is an indication anyway, that he's got the players buy-in, which is which is a great sign for the Blues. Um, because let's be honest, your players like Akiriwani, um in the past, you've looked at them and gone, is he doing what the coach actually asked him to do? Because it doesn't look like it. He seems to be playing a different game. Um so to actually have all the players, as you say, singing from the same hymn sheet, uh, actually believing in the coach um, is, is a great start for, for Vern Klosser. Um, talking about that wearing the team down, again, looking at some some of the uh, some of the player stats so far for the season, Mark Talia is um, second um, for carries, third Hosking Satutu, fifth equal Caleb Clark. Um, so three out of the sort of top five um, carries uh, in the tournament are in the Blues. It shows you again. Just we're gonna we're gonna keep playing and, and run at you. Um, now I know you're not a great fan of Caleb Clark, and I and I think yes, since he went off to sevens, he hasn't come back and set the world on fire. Uh, but he's a he's a bit of kind of a power runner um, as far as um, the uh, rather than the gliding runner. Uh, Mark Talia always breaks the game line, slippery as hell. Um, yeah, and then um, Hoskins is two two, really starting off this season with a bang. Um, and uh, is he? Uh, and this is kind of. Is he making a a, a mark <laughs> mark for the All Blacks? We'll have to Please wait don't. and see. <laughs> oh look, Kate, he's playing really well, right? I mean, it, like I said before, close to the line, um, he looks like he's got that fever, right? He he just looks unstoppable. The Highlanders had a, two, three guys on him, and he he's showing amazing power. It, it, it just makes me think that having that buy-in, like you talk about, but I think it's more the players seem to look like they actually understand what their game plan is now. Like they look focused and, and clear-headed to say, this is what I've got to do. Whereas in the past, the Blues, like you talk about Akira Iwani, they, they get a bit of that headless chicken syndrome, right? Where it's like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Just I'll just run. That's what I know what to do. I'll just do that, right? You know, it's like they just get a bit flustered and they, get a, they lose some of control of the plan because maybe it's a bit too, just complex, right? And they're just trying to, make too much out of a simple task and they just go back to their their native uh way of playing whereas they seem this way that's like okay i know what i've got to do whether it's the way it's coached whether it's the game plan being more simple for them to understand or, or whatever it is it just seems that they just know what their tasks are and they know how to execute it and it's it's already from these opening couple of games you can see it developing uh very strongly so it's looking promising for the blues uh, heading into, I guess, some bigger games later on down the track where it will really get tested if they can keep that faith in the game plan. Yep. So let's move on then to the second game. Um, now, look, in that game, we had uh, over 900 metres worth of running with ball in hand. In the Rebels as the force, um, we were over 1,200 metres running ball with, with ball in hand. So clearly, the crowds, or well, the people that were there and the people watching on TV, there was, there was lots of running rugby. Um, and so you've got to say, 
from the <laughs> not so much. I think the Blues are scared of Cotter. I think most people are scared <laughs> of Cotter. This is a guy who was a pre-World Cup um, training camp for this for Scotland. Took them up a mountain and said, "Here's a live rabbit. It's dinner. Kill it." Um, (laughs) And Scotland's um, never recovered. Yes, Scotland's (laughs) never recovered since then. Yes. Um, um, So yes, not not, not his finest hour. Let's be let's be clear on that one. and um, so, yeah, Rebels um, versus the Force. A player that you have been uh, excited about seeing this season was Carter Gordon. Disappointing in the first round. Um, and uh, it seemed like the second in that round, um, Andrew Callaway um, was doing a lot of a lot of uh, the work. Um, Filippo Donguni was put in the centres. You're like, why are you doing that? This round, second game in, and uh, uh, Donguni's on the wing. Funny enough, suddenly picks up two tries. Um, Andrew Callaway still um, in the centre of things. but. Carter Gordon now actually starting to pull the strings um, and uh, and therefore having and uh, Andrew Kellaway able to play off him and boy oh boy those two seem to be uh, running the show here at the um, at the Rebels uh, and it was looking good with those two playing um, I've got to say whether they can do that every game I don't know but um, but to me that combination is uh, is that that, that 10, 12, 15 combination is looking really good for the uh, for the Rebels this year. If that combination does look good, yeah, it's going to be huge for them. It's key players, isn't it, for that team to to push on mm. through. But they they weren't without tests here in this game by any stretch of the imagination. The Western Force were up for this game massively, and they looked like they should be the team to win it as well until, you know, you'd say, midway of the second half, uh, going towards that last 15, 20 minutes, they started to just fall off the pace and get completely swamped uh, by the Rebels team. But, man, that first half, there was really one man running that show for the Rebels, and that was Callaway. He, he He's just phenomenal. He makes the just the, he makes basic things look even easier than they really are. You know, it's just all he did is slice a line, you know, outpace a fullback, and he scored a try. And it's like, well, why can't 29 other guys do that, you know? It's like, why does he make it look so easy? Uh, but the force were really good in the first half. Um, I picked them to win this game, and I was, at halftime, I had a cheesy grin on my face. I was like, yep, screw you guys that all picked the Rebels. You, you're going down. I got this one on tap brilliantly uh, because they were playing really, really well. But you can tell by just the scorecard alone, the second half, uh, very little came from uh, this Western Force side at all, whereas the opposite kind of went the way for the Rebels, where most of their scoring came throughout that um, second 40 minutes. So, yeah, uh, big, big game players. A lot, you know. Ironically, we talked about it last week about how the commentary team put the boot in um, to Maunder, uh, the, the number nine from up north. Uh, he didn't play, and they still put the boot into him, saying that the difference is becoming having um, Tuttle in there instead of Maunder, and they got fast ball and it improved the combination between the nine and ten. And I thought, man, just you know, kick a guy while he's down, why don't you? Um, it was incredible, but yeah, that could have been a bit of a case, right? Carter Gordon, someone he's a bit more um, acclimatized to playing with. And having inside him as well made a bit of a difference. But yeah, Callaway is just uh, an absolute freak of a man. He's 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 nothing. He's nothing flash, you know. He just does the basics so incredibly, incredibly well, and he just makes it really hard to defend. He 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 finds a space. He manipulates space well, and he finds matchups. And his core skill of just pace and acceleration just catches players completely off. Even though everyone knows it's coming, everyone knows what to expect, uh, they still can't stop it. But for Western Force perspective, um, really good first half. Um, Chase Tia Tia somehow still scoring tries and still being a threat uh, just is baffling to me because he looks like he's about 45 years old, but he's still I doing mean, the job. And playing on the wing. I mean, he's, he plays all over that back line. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, Stephen Harris, great to see you here from you, mate. Um, they're saying how good um, would uh, Callaway look in a good team? No respect roles. Um, remember <laughs> Callaway 2019. Um, I remember interviewing him when he was playing um, at Sir Kenny's Manukau. And everyone was like, why the hell have they got this foreign imported? He's not very good. <laughs> look at him now. You're like, yes, okay. Um, now he's kind of one of the first players you put down on on, on the team for the, for the Wallabies. Mm. Um, so, yes, uh, it's, it's amazing how players look different in different environments. Um, and when they can actually get some continuity in an environment as well. Uh, on that one. Continuity is key, I think, for the force. That was massive for them that first half. Like, no one really incredibly stood out for that team, but their tries were well worked just using numbers, right, and overlaps and and uh, getting players into the right areas, which is, you know, no one really ripped that game to shreds of the force. They just had the right options and the right players and took the right choices to make as well. I thought Tia probably was one that stood out for me because they, they went to him a lot and just, you know, as a guy to try and, hey, Make a line break. We'll follow you. And if you can, you know, we'll we'll get on the end for the pass. And that's how a lot of their tries were created. So positive from them. Uh, really, really positive. Um, and I think they aren't going to be the pushovers that many people expected if they can mentally stay stable enough to, to believe that they can win games. You know, the Rebels at home in their big super weekend. Uh, I thought this was going to be a shocking game. I kind of sighed, relieved, uh, sighed to myself before it started, going, oh, why am I watching this? This is going to be a shocker. <laughs> and at the end of it, I was like, wow, um, we, did the Highlanders and the Blues play tonight? Because that one uh, was a cracker. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad. Like, there wasn't a lot of errors. It didn't feel like it anyway. It, um, it just felt like it was quite a, just a good game of rugby. You put a different shirt on them and call them a different name, and you'd say, well, that's a great game. I mean... 13 scrums for the Rebels suggest that the uh, force dropped it a few yeah. times. But so um, many. 13? <laughs> Wasn't there a stage, actually, just before halftime, there was an incredible amount of restarting scrums. It was halftime had gone, as in the 40 minutes was up, and I think they reset the scrums six or eight times. Uh, and that, that did my nut in. That absolutely, I was getting annoyed by that. And the referee was just a bit like, well, you know, lads, it's halftime. You're not wasting anyone's time anymore, so why should I blow it up? You're wasting your time. You know, <laughs> you're going to be 20 minutes late back home now after this one because you're pissing around at half time. Literally, half time would have been over if they'd just gone out at 40 minutes. So that that was a bit of a you know, just go to half time, please. You know, and then they scored from it anyway. So it's like, okay, maybe it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, look, the um, the force. Uh, look, the, the, this actually, the stats here go against what I was saying earlier. Um, because the um, Rebels missed more, more, more. Um, uh, sorry, no, the Rebels actually, yeah, it was 28 missed tackles. The Rebels, uh, sorry, the Force, um, 29. It's pretty even there. But um, the uh, Rebels lost four of their lineouts. So, okay. So, um, and that's, uh, that wasn't so. So, me, me saying you need a good platform off the lineouts didn't, so it doesn't go, it doesn't work in this game, but there you go. Um, it doesn't work in every game. But turnovers is a big one here. 16 by the Force, eight by the, um, by the Rebels. And then also, your um your penalties conceded fourteen um by the force only eight by the rebels um you're giving people you you're allowing people to march down the field and get get, get easy territory if you're going to give away 14, 14 penalties um keeping it but keeping it single figures is what they always say in national level so well done to the rebels yeah they played um disciplined rugby used their use their key players well and and came away with the win well done to them I think a big part of that penalty count too was he was sleepy in the first 20, 25 minutes, but Taliana Tupo woke up um, in the latter part of that first half 
and he was a monster. He did destroy scrums uh, massively, and he destroyed four scrums. Uh, so that that was a big part. Um, I don't know what the yeah. There you go. Uh, what are the scrums? Uh, Rebels had okay. Rebels had ten of their thirteen. Was a force only had a couple. So that was a big play. He was a big part, winning their own, demolishing some of the force. Uh, he he was incredible, and so much so that they even asked him at halftime how how much longer can he go? And they're like, oh, we'll evaluate. We'll evaluate. We'll, we'll give him five minutes, and we'll you know <laughs> bullshit answer. Um, he actually played quite a bit of time, but he actually looked like he's starting to get up to speed. Like we talk about this every week now. Oh, can he get up to speed? Can he get back to himself? Can he stay injury free? He was quiet in the first start, and there was a few scrums, and it's like okay, they're just blobbling around. But then he something clicked, eh? And he just he, he went crazy. He completely destroyed a few scrums uh and and then he went off and had a wee break and had a wee interview so good for him it was good to see him yeah he, he looked at his best right he was he was winning scrums uh and he was becoming a force and let's put be honest uh, that scrum being good is 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 just him <laughs> it's just him. Also, let's be honest. Him, him not having a hurt hand as well last last week it looked like yeah. he was he didn't want to be on the pitch so great to see that he actually wants to be there and playing and, and not getting hurt because last week and you know what he did he made a break. And you know what he did? He just got tackled softly after about maybe 10 metres. He, he hardly got tackled. He just went down like a sack of spuds. I was like, yes, Tamaiti Williams, learn. Learn from that man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's no way that really tackled him. But, yeah, I was like, he just doesn't want to run any further. He's had enough of that. Oh, dearie me. Fantastic. All right, then. This next one is a game that perhaps – you shouldn't look at the stats because the stats are all over the shop <laughs> for this one. Moana Pacifica versus the uh, Fijian um, Drua um, here in this one. Uh, 39 to 38, Moana Pacifica came out on top um, just at the uh, at the end there. But again, another 1,200 metres running um, in this game. So lo- some lovely running. But I think to me, one of the big differences was how, the, how each side scored tries. On the whole, um, one is a pretty much short distance blast over with the forwards uh, and, 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 and bash it over. Whereas the uh, the Andrews, uh quite often from pretty long way out, um, giving it to uh, the guy in the number 14 jersey and say, do something. Or, uh, the, or the guys kind of run to go, make this guy have space and give it him because he's good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and off he went. Um, he didn't score every time. But he got the meters and then parted on, and, and then the move went on to score. So boy, oh boy, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll do some butchering of names at this point. Well, here we go. Rava Pettis. Rava to uh, Mada, um, which is miles away. I'm really I'm um, sorry about that one, but some um, look. That's pretty close. Having seen, but yes, a massive fan just off this one game. Uh, but so yes, he uh, he really did. Uh, um, light things up for the Indra. Bravo, Tamada. That's, that's you're pretty close. That, that's pretty good. I'll give you a pass, Mark. It's better than Marky Mark. I mean, you say that, you, you just get a virtual slap through the screen. Almost, it's that bad. But he was electric, uh, phenomenal. But I, hey, why do why do we like watching Fiji and rugby? Because they just do that sort of stuff, don't they? They go bananas. They go nuts. Um, they're exciting. Uh, they can go long range any which way you like. It's just really fun to watch. So I enjoyed seeing a bit of the, the thunderous runs of Rava Tamada. I thought he was phenomenal as well. But, you know, this was a really interesting game because both sides 
absolutely threw everything they had at it, wasn't it? This is this is probably the closest to a real life sort of derby match we've kind of got left in Super Rugby, isn't it? Between the two islands teams, so it's good to see there was a lot there was a lot of love, you know, you know what the Pacific Nations are like. There's a lot of love between each other, but hey, when they're out there on the field. That's that's for one reason and one reason only, and that's to win over the other side. So the the real grudge match was out there. We've seen some phenomenal tries, and we've seen uh, we're starting to see players stand up again, right? Like we see this with these sides. You go into and go, oh, okay, I know that name, I know that name, I know that guy. I haven't seen much of him. Now we're starting to see Lotto Anisi. I mean, give me his number eight jersey every single week. That guy is phenomenal. Two games. Uh, and he's, he's in my team of the season already. He is just exquisite. Every single time he touches the ball, he really, really looks dangerous. Again, Mauro Tamara, we know who he is. We know what he's about. But still, he brings it every single game. I thought Danny Tuala brought himself a bit more into this game as well uh, for Moana. So it's good to see him up in the line a bit more. I think he's a very dangerous, creative player that probably is... He's not wasted at fullback, but I think I feel like he's the sort of guy who, in the back line, can cause you a lot more problems than just sitting at the back uh, in a creative sort of, you know, 10, 12 channel sort of player. So it's good to see him getting a bit more involved. Uh, I just think, and Moana as well, with the experience of Anade at nine, helps him incredibly. I think he is a really, really key part of their team. And you just see the his, his calmness or just his ability to just throw that ball through the link between the forwards and the backs is very fluid. And I think he's a big, big part of that for that team as well. But an incredible match, super fun, lots of points. I mean, if that doesn't get people in the crowds to go to games in Melbourne, then um, nothing is, let's be honest. Because, uh, you know, it's either that or we bring England over. And, I mean, if that happens, that's your fault, Melbourne. And, uh, look, I'm sorry, right, says, uh, William Pavili is, is a player getting better each season. Yeah, look, here's a guy who had, like, maybe a handful of caps for Tasman before he got capped internationally and then, and then suddenly was in Super Rugby. And uh, you're kind of like, wow, okay, look, he hasn't had that uh, that grounding of being a starter at at um, um, at, uh, at MPC to to get the minutes in. He has had to have all his minutes in very high level um, uh, rugby, and that's really been a um, a, a problem um, for for um, uh, for them here. Is that yeah, he, he, all his experience has been in top level rugby. He hasn't ha- he doesn't have those mm-hmm. those hours or those uh, of, um, of of rugby at a lower level uh, that. Uh, that means you, you kind of just muscle memory as to what to do next. Um, the uh, and uh, one of the things here is yes, um, Stephen Harris has already jumped onto the Crusaders Crusaders game um, at about uh, and about um, the lack of experience at ten. Um, but we'll definitely come on to um, onto that one because. But uh, I mean, Moana Pacifica did get a bit lucky here in this one. From memory, uh, one of the tries was um, uh, was was a high kick that no one claimed and bounced in their favour and things like that. So they did get a little bit lucky. Um, in this one but um, look we know they don't have a home ground effectively they don't have a proper training facility um, they're all over the shop and they've got a brand new coach brand new a brand new squad pretty much um, so they need the odd the odd bounce of the ball um, on this one um, and um, and someone here says yeah my mind actually improved since last year yeah we've seen them yeah they they, they look much more structured in the first game um Against the um, Highlanders, if I'm if my memory is serving me right, and yes. um, and and again, and now to have picked up a win, this is fantastic for 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 them all. I'm just going to very quickly have a look who they've got next round and see whether they come. And look, they get the Re- the Rebels at home next weekend. I mean, that is look. Yes, we've been talking about the Rebels being um, uh, sort of better than we expected them to be, but still, that is definitely 
a um, a good um, a, a winnable game uh, for the Moana Pacifica um, after this one. So the um, so yeah, this, it's a, it's a great start for them. Clearly, there are harder games to come against, like the Blues, your Crusaders, your Chiefs. Um, but hey, um, great starts um, for them uh, for, for for the season uh, playing. Um, some attractive rugby, but some sensible rugby as well. As I say, um, if you look at who their tries are from, Mafaleo, a prop, an EC, an eight, uh, Molly, um, a hooker, um, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they are bashing over from short range. But hey, they all count. Whether they've been run in from 80 metres like like the Fijian and Drew were doing, um, or whether they are, um, or whether whether it's only takes to you, whether it's two metres, but you've got five guys you're, you're sort of having to kill to get through and actually score. Um, so yeah, oh yes, yeah, so you know, someone says yeah, Hamilton, the Pacific Island city. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if we could if we could find a city apart from Palmerston North that is further away from the sea um, in New Zealand, <laughs> then that's it's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, Palmerston North and uh, and then Hamilton are the two cities of um, uh, Hamilton. Yeah, the second most removed city from the sea. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely very Pacifica in in that point of view. Um, but look, um, the. Um, uh, the uh, as uh, Dr. Tom writes, Amanga Jensen, um, sorry, not Amanga Jensen, wrong way around. Tana Amanga, um, Coventry and Jones are actually working well, and it's it's a it's a real mixed, it's a real mishmash of a uh, of, of a coaching group at the end of the day, isn't it? Um, with uh, sort of counties, North Harbour, and then uh, and Wales, um, but hey, it's working, which is great to see. Um, you know that. what's really interesting though. After this result, since we're halfway through the round, you look at this now, right? And you go back to two weeks ago, pre-round one. And we're like, well, Moana's going to finish last. Um, and then it's going to be, you know, down there with um, with the Rebels in the force. Uh, and now you're looking to go, well, the team that we thought we were going to probably, you know, claim one of the last couple of spots would have been the Drua and the Highlanders. Well, they pushed the Highlanders right to the end. They've beaten the Drua. Um how does your perspective of these teams look now, looking at the teams that you expected to finish in those bottom four spots, considering what the Waratahs we'll talk about in a moment, what the Reds did, which we'll talk about later on. You know, now it's just like, well, is it really this cut and dry sort of competition of the top eight that we were expecting from the start? And I think it's completely, it's on his head. I, no one is safe. No one is safe um, from the end of this competition at this point. As we stand right now from what we've seen, those bottom four, I think, have as good a chance as the second four, if that makes sense, of making the playoffs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, look, your Chiefs, Hurricanes, Blues, Crusaders, they're safe, right? They're, they're going to be in there. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> bold the, statement. Um, the because, uh, uh, or maybe I'm just dreaming of a, of a, of a, of a, uh, of a Crusaders that don't exist anymore. Um, but you would have one. said that the, um, the Brumbies would have been top four. The um, but um, as you well, yeah, probably I probably had Brumbies in top four. But okay, Not now, but um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, that crowd of you have Highlanders, Rebels, Waratahs, Moana, and Drua Force. Any Reeves. of them, uh, and Reds. Yes, yeah, sorry, that's true. Yeah, any of that mishmash could come, could 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 be in or out. Um, but I still think your you, your Chiefs, Hurricanes, Blues, they've all started well. They're going they're going to cruise into the into the playoffs. Um, I can't see any of those three dropping out of the out of the eight. Let, let's look. Let's, so there are some guarantees, but there, the, the what there aren't is guarantees as to who won't make it, which has changed. Whereas we actually we were like, okay, these three teams: one Pacifica, 
Force and Rebels won't make it. And there's a bit of a discussion about who eight and nine are, who that last one is. But those three won't make it. Was our was our preseason thing, right? Now, um, now as you say, now it's a matter of uh, I don't know. They they could all make it. Um, the Force yeah. clearly having started off with two losses, it's tough on them. They're they're the one that's going to find it harder now because they are playing catch up um, as as a as as a losing team. Look, they've got the worst points difference so far. So maybe they're the one team that you can say isn't going to make it who out of the ones we originally said. But um, but all the rest, definitely. And the force have, have shown signs, but it's all good and well showing signs. We've seen teams show signs before, but you, you won't actually get points on the board. And the fact that the uh, the Rebels and the um, uh, and the Moana Pacific have already means they've got uh, not, not just um, points on the board, but a confidence boost we can actually go out we actually belong here whereas the western force are kind of like well i know i belong here because i'm an experienced player nick white um for example and there's a whole bunch of guys like that who go i belong here because i'm but do we belong here as a team i'm not sure we do and i think that lack of self-confidence will be a problem for um if, if they don't get a if they don't get a win in the next couple of weeks will will cause them some real problems I think the positive for the Force, though, is that they are competing. Like, they were in their game against the Rebels. And sure, it was only the Rebels, right? But yep. they're, they're scoring points, they're competing, and they're in the game, uh, you know, through the second half, right? So they're actually competitive. They're not getting pumped by 40 points plus, uh, and they're actually in the game throughout the first 40 to 50 minutes, which I think is the biggest positive. The thing I think could change is we could see teams like the Brumbies, the Hurricanes, the Crusaders potentially not in that top four, but in that bottom four. Sure, I think yeah, they'll be pretty safe inside that eight. Yeah. But I just think your 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 top four aside the Chiefs look phenomenal right now. Okay. They're looking head and shoulders by the rest. But that top four could slip to the to the bottom four. And then I think that yeah that bottom four and our not making the playoffs four they're you know they're they're fluid. Those guys are all fluid by the force. Uh, which probably looked the weakest. But I like the fact they're competing. That's the main thing. They're not getting pumped. They're not giving up. And they are scoring a lot of points, like we've seen every team so far this weekend. Now, we, we do need to touch on some cards at some point this weekend. Um, and as we're talking about this game, um, uh, Stephen Howard says, yeah, Nigel R. Wong's red card was harsh compared to other instances I saw over the weekend. Right. So to me, the difference between Nigel R. Wong's card and the other ones is, the other ones, they're standing upright and they're actually, there's, there's some vague attempt at having some sort of tackle, but they've gone too high and either the head or shoulder has got has, has bumped the other guy's head. The, R, the Nigel R. Wong tackle, well, no, it's not a tackle. There is there is no arms this at all. He has dropped the shoulder and gone full-on shoulder charge. There is no way that any of those arms are anywhere near trying to even think about making a tackle. It's totally tucked. Um, and he's just gone bang. Um, and, and it's a shoulder charge, and so we know sh- shoulder charges are are illegal. And um, now, yes, he didn't make contact with the head. Now we've kind of got this new, um, I guess, idea that um, that it's a re- that, that head contact is red, and that's everything, and that's it, full stop. It's all about the head. Um, but um, I'm trying to remember whether shoulder charges were were red cards beforehand, um, just because of how dangerous they can be. Um, so the, um, but it, it, it was a blatant shoulder charge. This wasn't a tackle that he was doing. So I guess it comes down to, and it's just been so long since we've seen one of these 
that we've forgotten what the punishment is. Because I can see you, I can see Steve there, uh, obviously, completely there typing away, going, "What is the punishment for, for a shoulder charge?" I can't remember um, because no one does them. Everyone knows you shouldn't do this. This was this was, this was a bit of a throwback to a, um, a Sonny Bill Williams kind of thing, um, and even he actually tried to at least pretend that he was trying to wrap one of the other arms. But we've not seen this in quite a few years now. This this kind of tackle. So, Colin and Conflict, um, enlighten me as to what the uh, what the laws. I'm trying to find it. You're trying to find it. I've not I've not found anything, but I I look, I do agree with you um, in the fact that it looks it looked horrific. It looked absolutely shocking. Um, that was the biggest part about it because he he was he was he was pucking up for it right from the start, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> way before the player had come near him, but um. This red card, though, that that's the big thing for uh, for me. Whether it was that bad enough to be a red card, but um, see if here we go. Law application. Here we go. Law application. So shoulder charge to the head or neck of the ball carrier, and mitigation is not applied. Oh man, blah 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 blah. Mitigation, blah blah. Well, no, shoulder charge, head or neck. I agree is red. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I agree with that. But I'm trying to get to, I'm trying yep. to get to the good part. <laughs> um, yeah, it takes a lot about here. Okay, so this is the yeah, so this is the whole graph and all this sort of garbage. So here we go. Yes, it's all about shoulder though. It is all about shoulder or head. It really, really is. And that's the big difference they make about it. Shoulder charge, no arm tackle. Yeah, here you go. So shoulder, here you go. Shoulder charge to the body, no head or neck contact with high degree of danger is yellow. Shoulder charge to the head or neck of the ball carrier and mitigation is not applied. Red card. So that should have been a yellow of, of my quick thinking of that. If it hits the head red, hits the body yellow. Okay, fine. Yep. Then 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 he was then he was harsh done by. Yep. Um, but Shoulder charge to the body with low degree of danger is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's a penalty. So you got to, so then here you go, you're going, was it a high degree or no degree of danger? So you look at penalty yellow. I think it looked bad. It looked really, really bad. So I'd say oh, yellow. Definitely yellow. Um, I mean, there's no choice about that one. Um, it was definitely a card. Um, well, 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 high danger though? I mean, did he did he hurt the guy? Uh, it was well, <laughs> high danger, as in I'm coming in and boom. There was no good tackle. <laughs> good tackle. <laughs> the guy's running forwards and he falls backwards after running forwards. There's been good no, tackles. No, it wasn't like a. Um, <laughs> it's not like one of these ones that shoulder charge. You can caught when you're sort of diving for the corner, um, and you kind of shoulder charge and out where you kind of. But this was bang on bang. But either way. Um, 
the card definitely, and as you as you've read the law there, it should be yellow rather than red. Um, from according to that, so there we go. Um, this is what I don't like about the law, though the fact that it says a high degree of danger when there's no stipulation of what actually constitutes too high degree of danger. So it makes it an opinionated matter. So I yeah. say penalty, you say yellow card, right? Not that I'm saying either or, but it's the fact that if you're referring the match, you're going to give him a yellow. If I'm referring the match, I could say, well, okay, he just bumped them off and he, he put them on his ass. Okay, shouldn't use a shoulder, but hey, he, he didn't do the guy any damage. It wasn't high. You know you know what I'm saying, though? It's still a I, 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 I see where you're coming from. Um, and that's I what I dislike. Low, low degree of danger where you kind of a glancing blow that makes, but this was no glancing blow. This was, was I'm in hit. your way. Boom, you're going backwards. Um, oh, hell, it was a good hit. I agree. I agree. It's a good <laughs> hit. If it's an illegal good hit, um, that's all. Um, and the other thing I, I just re recalled in seeing these this weekend's games too, um, with the with the one red card we'll talk about later, was that the 20 minute red card is still a thing. I completely yes. forgot that even existed. I thought we'd moved on from that and kind of world rugby thought it wasn't a great idea because we didn't use it at the World Cup, but um, apparently not. No, but haven't you heard? We don't give a shit about world rugby in in, um, in, uh, in Super Rugby. We have our own laws. We kind of That's use kind them of as a starting idea. place and then we change them a bit like hey, the, um, the, the kick tennis the one. The kicking thing. I think yeah, good, that was a good, a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. The um, So, yes. So, yeah. So, yeah. We're we'll over good. now. I wasn't sure whether it was 20, 20 minutes or not until, until I saw the, uh, the the clock for, for Geordie's one going down. It's like, <laughs> Me too, yeah, yeah. Okay, it is 20 minutes. <laughs> I thought it yeah. probably was. Um, but yeah. Oh, Good times. So what we got next then? Oh, next we've got the game of the round in some ways. Because, boy, oh boy, nobody saw this one coming. Let's be blunt. Um, after the Waratahs um, in um, round one got beaten by the Reds 40 to 22. Uh, not even close, really. Um, a couple of scores away. What happens in round two? Well, somehow um, they uh, they go behind to a uh, to a try um, from from the uh, from the Crusaders, one of their new boys there, um, Springer, um, scoring nicely in the corner. And then they do what all the commentators tell you you shouldn't do. Right? You don't beat the Crusaders with penalties. Well, Waratahs <laughs> just did because. Edmund then starts punishing them, uh, punishing the, the Crusaders um, for, um, uh, for conceding penalties. Now, what's funny here is the Waratahs knock over three penalties. Uh, the Crusaders knock over none in this game. The Waratahs go for 11 penalties. <laughs> the Crusaders go up nine. Um, so a third of those penalties were kicked over. Um, as the uh, Waratahs said, if you're going to infringe, we're taking points. Well done. That's what you should do. Um, now, they did pick up a yellow card. Uh, which then uh, soon afterwards uh, led to a reach try, but because they've been nicking up, not uh, because they've been knockover penalties. When they got some, when oh yes, uh, so you did send me something about um, showing you basically that the uh, Crusaders don't have any tens anymore. They're all injured, or <laughs> they're all dead. Um, they are no, it's a bit harsh. Sorry, they're all injured. Not they're not, they're not dead. We're not talking. This isn't uh, this isn't war. Um, they um, and uh, and so they uh, had. They had themselves basically a debutant or a, a very inexperienced guy at 10. And then they had a guy who basically had decided that uh, um, he wasn't going to start the season over everyone else. He's going a few more days, a few more weeks off, um, who was going to come in and suddenly start at 12. And he suddenly got the ball and there was a big tall guy in front of him. So he kicked it. Um, and David Havili got himself charged down. And I, must say, I thought David Havili would have gone into 10, to be honest with you. Crusaders attack is still clunky. Absolutely it is. Your 10 and 12 have never met each other before. They're like... Oh, hello. Who are you? You're that old guy. 
God, you're young. My God, I'm feeling old. Jeez, do they have rugby players this young nowadays? Um, those two have never met hardly before this game. They don't even know each other's name. They haven't been called. Um, and so end up, yes, they're going to be clunk- they're going to be clunky because those guys have hardly had any game time together at all. David really hasn't been there for pre-season when this guy's been doing all his drills as the third backup um, um, fly half who gets like 10, 10 minutes per training session to actually run the game. Otherwise, he's holding cab tackle bags. Um, and so, hence, this is what happens when uh, when you have a couple of injuries. Um, and um, so, yeah, so Sinclair suddenly gets himself a try from, and he's like, my God, what's this? I've actually got points in my name. This is brilliant. Um, Edmund c- continues to put, knock over, to knock over uh, penalties, and suddenly they're 23-10 up. Um, having scored um, the uh, um, as many tries as the Crusaders have, the Crusaders have scored two tries. So have the uh, so have the Waratahs, but they're leading ten to twenty three at half time. There you go. You can win with threes. Um, not too much. Kamara that was, was there last year. Crusaders have um, famed their prep, but maybe not this year. Uh, look, yes, he was there last year, but look, these these as far as actual game time between Kamara. And um, uh, and uh, well, and the, the um, uh, Drummond and uh, and Havili game time together is going to be hardly any. Sure, okay, they've run drills together, fine, but they're songs. That's not the same as game time. Um, the um, so suddenly, yeah, you're up, you're up twenty three ten because you can kick. Um, and uh, the the um, uh, look, the Springer's try, Reese's try, two tries out wide. They weren't easy kicks um, for him. Um, so, um, so I'm not going to bash him about missing those, but um, the uh, and look, the Waratahs took took their chances or, or, or took the took the bounce of ball that went their way, i.e. that charge down, i.e. later on when when um, Gordon gets the intercepts and runs and runs and runs, runs the length and scores. Um, but again, it's another one of these games where they scored the same number of tries, just like the the Highlanders versus the Blues, but the, but the actual margin of victory. Is thirteen points. It's, it's, it's a two-score um, win because um, the Waratahs kicked all their points, and they took penalties, um, and that's what led them to win this one. Um, sure, two of their tries were a bit lucky. Uh, I say charge down and intercept. Um, that wasn't them sort of building play, but hey, um, if, if 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 chances come your way, take them and go for it. Um, the Crusaders if you're going to say about sort of created tries, won this game. But that's not rugby. It doesn't put points on the competition table, though, does it? <laughs> Getting created tries over <laughs> chances tries. You know what? It added to that, too, it was the fact that the Waratahs, they didn't really let up. They had a high intensity and they kept high pressure on and they kept that up throughout. I mean, it's typically what we've seen. I think especially from Australian sides, they, they get it by leading. If, if they were struggling to keep in front or they're chasing this game, they can lose out their intensity because they start to lose their confidence and so on and so on, like the snowball effect, right? But this game, they just, like you said, with those penalties and getting the tries just at the right times when things weren't, you know, they, the scoreboard was starting to ease up, they'd hit again. And they just kept it rolling over. Like, see the timing of their tries, you know, they're, they're not even, they're not clustered all together. They're spread out nice and evenly throughout. So they just keep getting that, that confidence boost. They keep getting that hit of points and it keeps them going to keep more pressure on the Crusaders. So they, 
hey, it was a shock. It was a surprise. And it, you, you watch the scoreboard and you're just like, well, it's going to change sooner or later. Like the Crusaders <laughs> will catch up. And then it's like, time's running okay. out. Let's What's be, going let's on here? This is one of those games where you look at the TAB and they've got the Crusaders at three or four dollars and you go, yes, I'm in. Yes. Easy money. Yeah, you, you jump you go, on it because oh, you just, oops. you expect that they're going to come back, right? You just think it's like, yeah, yeah, this is typical Crusaders. So they go for a little sleep. And I, I did find it surprising with a few of the selections, right? Because they didn't start uh, Drummond. Uh, they started Hotham instead of Scrum Half. Uh, little things like that. I thought Harvey definitely looked out of speed. I was not impressed by McLeod last week. Um, Harvey didn't really look up to speed as you've pressed on about already. Um, mm. So there's a number of things here that just, like you spoke, um, you know, uh, Nocturnal said they're clunky. They're just clunky. They're, they're, they're like putting puzzle pieces together that it just aren't fitting right at the moment, right? And they're just, they're just bashing against each other. And then you flip it to the Waratahs that have those puzzle pieces that are firmly interlinked, you know, like, the guys like Angus Bell and, and Johnson Holmes were incredible. You know, your Lee Warners, your Gambles, those guys in the back row, a second row that's kind of like extra back rowers too with the way they work and they play that that ruck game and they run strongly. So they've got tools that know how they're going to work. Typically, when they come against a better team, it falls apart a little bit. But hey, with the confidence they were getting in this, these guys were loving running because they were getting reward. They were getting forward momentum. They were getting on the front foot. Everything was was clicking for them really, really nicely. And Australia have a plethora of number 10s, man. Oh, boy, don't we wish we were an Australian for number 10s. I tell you what, we sit here, and I was thinking about this after the weekend, and I was thinking, man, we're stacked for nines, man. We are absolutely rocking nines. We're probably Each franchise has at least one, if not two nines, who are absolutely killing it and should be looking at higher honours. Tens? I, I don't know where we're looking, right? Bar one player. Australia's the opposite, right? You've got the Lolosios, you've got Edmonds, you've got Gordons. All these guys are just absolutely smoking it. The liner at the Reds is looking incredible as well. And But nines, I mean, you've got a few old guys there that have been around the traps, uh, but they don't look quite as flush. But tens, man, you know, Edmund really has stood up this year. I think he looks incredible. And the race for that Wallaby team jumper is going to be exciting because – I don't know how you fit three plus guys into that squad. Uh, and and they look like they're going to be fun too. Like the, the players that they've got, like we'll see in the next game, outside backs are really storming on this this season as well. Uh, the Waratahs played well, took their chances, kept the pressure up, played with confidence. And hey, the Crusaders are not the last seven season Crusaders this season. We knew that. Um, and we're finding it out, right? Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see how they respond. And how they how they find these these link up players to gel together and 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 take that next step right of the next few rounds it's going to be key for them they've got to got to get a win right they're down with the force right Owen oh, too so a big pressure round three and four coming up for them now Stephen House I wouldn't really say this off as they've got off to a slow starts in the past but I do wonder if the uh, loss of Whitelock Moanga Jordan especially brings them back to the rest of the pack remember there's no no Cody Taylor look this idea. Of them having slow starts <laughs> is because, and bringing back my 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 my, my stats from uh, last week, last week is because of what happened between uh, under Todd Blackadder between 20, 2009 and particularly two thousand eleven, really, uh, and two thousand and sixteen, where they lost five out of their six op uh, opening games that year, including um, one to the. Um, oh no, I've got including one to the Rebels back, um, which the, the Rebels' first ever overseas win was to the Crusaders in Christchurch. 
and it was also their first win over the Crusaders. Um, look at um, look what under 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 Razor um, and six on the bounce where they won their opening games. Um, so look, I think we have to have to look uh, uh, admit that um, it's a different coaching crowd, but also they have lost a hell of a lot of experience um, there with um, your White Locks, with your Mwangas. Um, the fact that um, also the uh, what they got, I think it's um, losing. If you're bringing players like Halfpenny, who was supposed to cover for Jordan, injured before he even gets to play. In a, in a, um, you look at um, at uh, fly half. I think got three injured fly halves. So they're well. So injuries really have hurt them this year in those key positions uh, that uh, that run the game. Uh, so um, so look, it's uh, the, the, there is some mitigating circumstances, and I think they will come. They will they will improve. But I don't think they're going to improve because of this Crusaders slow start um, thing. I think they're going to improve because players will get fit. They'll have a better squad. They'll get used to um, the coaching setup. Um, and they do have quality players. You you had a Jordan in there. You had a, um, and I've gone blank, who's their first choice bloody um, fly half is that's injured. Um, uh, you bring back, um, yeah, you have, Rathomir. sorry? Rathomir? What, 10? No, is it, it? I, see, I always get Ratima and and the other guy mixed up. The Chiefs, the Chiefs nine and and the Crusaders ten. Rayhana, Rivers Rayhana. The um, now he, they, and again, Rivers Rayhana is like third choice, second or third. Fergus Burke, thank you. He's, oh, um, Fergus Burke. No, get, rubbish. Like the rest of them. Get Fergus Burke back, um, who actually can run a, run the show, um, and um, the uh, and look, the Crusaders have drew away next, and <laughs> they've lost there before. Even with all their best players, um, so um, the uh, so look, um, they, they 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 will improve as they get players back from injury, um, but the uh, the it's, it, I don't think this is this is an injury issue, not a the Crusaders start slow issue, uh, in my mind. And you know what else is going to be changing for the Crusaders? Johnny McNichol. There you go. There, there's your scoop for you. He's come back. He's gone from Scarlets. Um, all, all pointing to the fact he's going to go back to the Crusaders. So um, not confirmed, but he's coming back to New Zealand and I don't see anywhere else he's going to go. And that's where he's from. So I'd expect that uh, Johnny McNichol will be lining up for the Crusaders soon, I would say. Uh, very, very soon, which is going to not really help where I think their problem is. Um, I think their problem is in, at 12. Possibly they're not getting the platform from their forwards, but I think that'll that'll come right. But I just think their backline play, which they rely on so much for points it's not it's just getting it's got a break and I thought McLeod was just not there last week and I think Harvili was just not there this week sure it was both the first games of the season I think once they sort that out they can use Almoa like they're supposed to use Almoa like he had one really good run he should be having about eight of those runs in a game he touched the ball more at least this round than he did last round so progress there but Use the players properly. Amua is not a decoy runner. Maybe, you know, one or two. But, hey, if they know he's coming, they still ain't stopping him. So it doesn't really matter. Just let him have the ball, right? Um, so for me, yeah, sure, inexperienced teens, the pressure's going to the 12. The 12's not handling it. And please, stop using Ryan Crotty. The last thing I want to see is Ryan Crotty truckling back, um, trying to chase down a Waratah's backline player when he knows he can't run faster than two miles an hour. So just... Let's just Ryan Crotty go, the coaching staff, find someone else and just let him have a nice end to his career. He's not the man. 
Um, because of uh, by the way, what do you think of the crowds in attendance? Super, super crowd, abysmal. Um, shouldn't, shouldn't shouldn't be in Hamilton. Shouldn't be in, sorry in um in 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 Melbourne. Total waste of time. Um, chasing the money is not the right thing. Chase chase the attendance. Money will come, and that's what we said at the beginning of the show. So yeah, um, bad bad idea in the first place. Um, well, bad Wait, idea having thing, it in there. Just just about the coach. I see a lot of people calling for uh, Penny's head already after two games. Um, don't even. Just no. Just no. He's got a season. He's he's got a season where they, you know, they'll make the playoffs, right? They're going to make the playoffs. He's got the season. Hey, they might get knocked out, you know, quarterfinals, so be it. But he's, he's not going to go mid-season. And you, oh, you just he's not can't going to a guy after two games. No, no, um, yeah, and yeah, perhaps he's got the the wrong the wrong um, the wrong four trio. Uh, so the loose trio, as, as Stephen Harris said, he would he'd like to have Christie, Grace, and um, Low Willie would be far more mobile. He says. Um, Simon Hughes says, "How many games will Ward Penny need to win to guarantee his job? He will have to. Um, okay, this comes down to he has to win the um, quarterfinal and the semifinal. He has to make the final at the end of the day. All the other games don't really matter because he's going to make top eight. He's good, right? Okay." As long as he makes top eight, wins it, wins that, and um, and gets himself into a final, then he's okay. Semi-final, that's a bit dodgy. Um, depends in some ways as to who he loses to, right? If he loses to the team that wins it, if he loses to like the Chiefs in the semi-final, then maybe he's okay. If he goes in the quarterfinals, um, goodbye. I mean, <laughs> um, he's got to do better than that. Uh, but he's got to, yeah, he's got to be at least for semi-finals, probably final to keep his job, in my opinion. I mean, if he doesn't finish inside the top four, uh, it's likely going to be a quarterfinal exit, right? And that, I mean, regardless of who comes up, like, he comes up against the, the Chiefs, any of those top four teams and loses. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be good enough, but I think if they don't get that, um, that's going to be bad news for them. So really, I think the games do matter in the regular season because I think they've got to finish top four to be able to make that semifinal. Chris, Super round in Auckland? Uh, no, sorry. I... I, I... The Blues don't fill Eden Park. Um, Eden Park would be horrible again. Look, I, I just don't think the Super Round is a good idea um, at the moment. Um, it's about chasing money um, from places. It's not about uh, actually trying to create something that the fans want to see at the end of the day. Um, so moving on then to um, the final day, um, Chiefs versus the Brumbies. And um, this might be a bit of a wake-up call for some of us who are thinking, hey, the Brumbies could be challenges this year. And suddenly, uh, Chiefs put them away, forty-six to twelve. Ouch. Um, now, um, I think maybe um, the uh, I don't know if if if, if the uh, actually looking looking again at the the order of the tries. No, the the, the scoreline wasn't harsh. Um, this uh, um, look um, the, the the Chiefs showed the. Um, uh, the um, the Brumbies respect by uh, the first choice the chance they had to take points they did so they kicked three right so this is it's the Chiefs so I was like we're not pissing around going let's see how many um, tries we can score this is a matter of we're going to get the win we're going to put points on the board when you um, when you when you when you when you when you um, when you give us opportunity and we're going to we're going to play proper rugby play serious rugby none of this we're always kicking to the corner stuff um, so. I'm impressed by that um, from uh, from the um, from the Chiefs on on that point of view. Um, and look, you, you said earlier this is the one team that's standing out above the rest. Thirty-one missed tackles or thirty-one line um, uh, defenders beaten. 
Um, 10 clean breaks. Boy, oh boy. The Chiefs are playing some lovely attacking rugby at the moment. That was my point I was going to make about this game. Voluntary defence uh, by the Brumbies was certainly probably my standout point because it just, yeah, they, they didn't look like they were really in a position to ever stop the, the running threats that the Chiefs posed. And, and I thought the Chiefs did well enough to lure this game to how they wanted to play it as well, not get dragged into... Well, I think the Brumbies are typically a, a team that likes to play with the forwards a lot more, right? So this is a game that got a lot more open. I guess it could be contributed to the fact of where they were playing and uh, the conditions, seeing it was during the afternoon, typically, in the sun, and it was exciting. Brumbies probably weren't too happy. They got dried out. But that last try that Artemis scored, uh, I think, was a, a, a massive indication to the Brumbies' performance. A, a forward doing a, a pointless little punt downfield that hardly left the grass, Deflected away, oh. went straight to a Chiefs hand, and he just bumbled his way. That was uh, Shelby Rickett, just you know, bumbled through, sidestepped a couple of guys who really just didn't want to beat there by that point and run him for another try. That, that really summed it up right at the end. And it's like, yep, it's just a, it was, it was not your day, it's not your day. But um, someone whose season it is is Corey Tool. Now, that kid is phenomenal. No, let's just rewind here. There's not your day, not your day. kicking like that. I'm sorry, but that is <laughs> that's there's there's um. The suicide, there's something like the commentators that point out, oh, the Chiefs are really good at taking the opportunities. No, no, this is suicide rugby by the Brumbies. This is not the Chiefs taking opportunities. This is the this is the, the, the Brumbies, um, yeah, um, giving them the ball, uh, in the perfect counter attacking opportunity. I um, Arcoy had it look and he had a good game and, and um, got himself in lovely in the highlights packages and stuff, um, off the bench, but there is no way he should be given that ball on the halfway line um, with no defenders in front of him uh, with a massive gap to just run into. And that just, that should not be, that should not be happening. That should be in the other, uh, on the edge of the 22 and the other half with a chase line behind it. That's not, that's not the, that's not the Chiefs taking, playing good rugby. That's suicide rugby by the Brumbies. And there was a couple of that, a couple of, of, um, of, uh, of situations like that this weekend where the, um, the, the commentators were, were, were trying to just big up the attack, where in reality was the people that you, you're giving up the ball like that. I'm sorry, but that's just you, you, you're giving away five. You're giving away seven points. Um, that's not um, that's not a good attack. That's just piss poor um, exiting or defence. That does commentary job though. That was their job to make super round so much more super right. That's that's what they <sighs> did do. No, but look, look, 73 minutes gone. You're down what 39 um, points to, to 12. The game's done. I mean, that's what I mean. They were shut. They were they were clicked off. They were gone. They weren't there. They they already decided that it was not that that was not being a game that they were going to win. And to the point that you've got a forward clearing your line like that near your 22. Case in point, he shouldn't be let alone in that position, let alone making that decision, let alone being allowed to do that. Um, someone's got to take that and be like, hey. You've just got to take a tackle and, you know, they probably would have lost it anyway, regardless, because there's no one there whatsoever. So it, it just, that's what I mean. It summed up that performance mm. of the Brumbies just weren't really at the races at all, apart from a, a couple of players, um, sadly, which is quite concerning of a team we consider to be, you know, one of the, well, front runners, especially for Australia as well. But I do, I do like going back to Corey Tool. Um, I think he's, he's incredible. He is just, he is a freak show. Um, and again, 
Imagine him on the back of an, an incredible backline that is getting some great ball. Imagine him on the back of the Chiefs backline, right? Flip him on the other side. He would be scoring tries for fun. Kind of looking like uh, Nanai Satoru is this season, who's looking very impressive. His best year in Super Rugby by far. And dare we say it, uh, Joshuani, I know, like last weekend we laughed at it, but he did look kind of good off the bench. Uh, I don't like to say it, but he did look quite good. <laughs> um, yeah, it was 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 a quite game for Rob Valentini. Um, I did see him sort of wandering around at times where you're thinking, uh, you, why are you just wandering around the back of that mall? Just, just do something. You should be either going into the mall, in a position to take a pass, to run off it, or or, or, or ruck, or whatever. And yeah, Valentini did seem to be at times looking a bit lost in that game, um, which um, which he shouldn't be. But the um, uh, but even so, uh, look, they, I, you can yeah, I, I can see them being demoralised. But yeah, some of the things that the, the Brummies were doing were just a criminal for a, you, you being paid to be out there. You're being paid to do stuff. You've practiced all year long to do stuff, and you still do that. Come on, that's not that's not acceptable for a, for a um, professional player. And the Brumbies, actually, the one team that we thought might challenge from Australia, very disappointing in the opening two rounds. Very disappointing. Is it not nowhere near me, where it should be. Is it just me, or did they look absolutely gassed? They they just didn't look like they were um, not physically, but um, fitness wise. In that game, they they looked, yeah, just off out, off pace. They didn't look they were up to the pace of the game. They looked like they were exhausted, um, and it, like say players were ambling around a bit, like they were just trying to catch their breath or or you know trying to take five minutes of, of not being intense. I do feel sorry for Valentini because you know in the opening round I felt like he did a lot of work, um, and he was a real standout of a guy that did you know a lot of massive massive work. And but you know a week's rest, you think you'd be ready to go again and do it again and carry that um, that Ford pack. But they just looked, they just looked gassed. <laughs> it just was weird. The fitness just didn't look up to it. Whether it was a heat, I don't know. But um, certainly, I guess when you're leading for the Chiefs, it's easier to get up for it, right? But when you're getting pumped, um, and maybe yeah, they're just um, not quite up to scratch like they used to be. Yeah, and Laurie Fish not there. That's actually he's he's a cracking coach. So maybe that is part of it. Could be why. Um, mm. Stephen Harris, Arthur Tutu and Jacobson top contenders to the vacant All Blacks number eight jersey. Any other contenders? No, it's Anisi. No. <laughs> no, it's Ardie Surveyor. Ardie's only on sabbatical and he's available when he comes back. Right? Um, he's not, he, he's available for the All Blacks. It's not a vacant jumper. Um, Ardie's, Ardie will walk back into that number eight jersey. Sorry, but. Um, no, Sir Tutu, the, thanks. The, um, the, the vacant jersey is seven and six. Who, who, where, who's taking those jerseys? Um, Blackadder probably to six is, is, is where uh, where a lot of people are thinking. But that seven jersey, Sam Kane's coming back and he's available. But um, I'm not so sure he walks straight into it in the same way that Arnie does into the into the eight jersey when he comes back from their um, from their sabbatical. So to me, um, Papalihi is probably pushing very hard for that seven jersey. Um, but that's um, concerning. That's concerning. <laughs> Well, who else? Oh, it's too early. It's way too early. Two okay. rounds. Billy Harmon. There we go. Since you're all being Aucklanders, <laughs> have some Billy. No one else. I mean, I was looking at That's what I mean about the tens and the nines. I was looking before. I was like, man, nines. You know, Roe is playing outstanding. Um, Ratma is playing outstanding. Uh, Roy Gard is outstanding. 
Um, mm. That other South African guy at the Hurricanes looked really good in round one and off the bench as well. Forgotten his name already. Um, you know, there's so many players. Finney Christie looks like trash, which is amazing because they should all leapfrog him. Um, you know, you've, and then you've you've got like Rowe, who actually starts the Chiefs and Rathma only comes off the bench. Um, but he still looks better, right? I mean, that's what, there's so many. But where's the tears? Oh, yeah. Where's the 10s? And then, like, where's the, the standout back row? Not that great, right? Um, some positions we are flush. Other positions, uh, not so much. So uh, a bit of a bit of good, a bit of bad. Um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, can we still, has, has Lotto Anisi played for um, internationally anywhere yet? I'm going to find out because I want to get him <laughs> into a New Zealand Super Rugby team very fast. Let's have a look. He's Tongan. Uh, yes, he's not playing international rugby. Lotto and Isi, hide this, get on him, sign him, bring him straight away, quick, quick, quick. He's paid for North Harbour. Get him in. Oh, dear. Anyway, last game of the round. Hurricanes versus Reds. Um, boy, oh, boy. Um, what a way to finish off the round, right? Going to um, to, 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 to Golden Point, um, where they uh, where finally um, the uh, the Hurricanes managed to um, to pull it off. But um, Cam Roygaard. We're talking about nines putting their hands up, and he ran in for two tries in this one. Um, the uh, it was Number two one. tries, wasn't it? I think. Um, yes. yeah, there was two tries on this one, so yeah, so he has, um, yeah, he's definitely putting his hand up, um, there, dragging his team back in some ways, you could say, um, uh, into this one because look, they were they were falling behind. I'm sure they scored first, um, but um, it was um, 12 19, um, until the uh, until extra time. Uh, in that, um, in that, in that, so they scored just uh, just um, after the hooter to get it to nineteen all. Again, um, the, um, uh, the the Reds go ahead. Um, Love pulls it back. The Reds go ahead. Roygaard um, pulls it back. Um, so it is it, 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 the Hawaiian Hunters always chasing this game um, after that uh, after the initial win. Uh, after so the, so the initial get ahead, um, the Reds um, again. One of those things you talk about. Australian teams have to get ahead, otherwise you, you can't see them chasing games. But you can see them sort of staying in in it while they're they're while they're equal or just ahead. Um, and the Reds did that um, all that all, all, all the way um, on, on on this one. Um, Jordy Barrett's um, red card. Totally agree with it. Look, he didn't he he stayed far too upright, and his shoulder hit the head. Um, you have to duck down. Now, if you look at it, if you watch it. Um, he does slow down his kick chase and gets ready, um, but doesn't drop. And because he doesn't drop, sure, if he drops, you say he's going to get stepped. He's not able to move. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. Um, but if you stay high, you're going to get carded. We've already said you've got to get your head uh, and shoulders out of the head area of the ball carrier. He didn't. His head was in the right area. It was in the area. His shoulder was. And the only reason it probably wasn't a head and head clash is he got his head out of the way. And hence brought the shoulder up, which ended up hitting the guy in the face. Um, so the um, you've got to you've got to get down, and sure that means you're going to get you're going to get some uh, you're going to get some uh, steps. Um, Looks right, um, good to see Jordy being level-headed about his card. Um, he's maturing. I'll be honest, I've not seen the comments, uh, but if he has been and just gone, yep, it was the right the right call, then good on him. Um, uh, maybe, maybe shock horror. Maybe that's just maybe. The players are catching on to the fact that they need to not smash each other in the head all the time. Um, the uh, so yes, on that one, I, I don't want to see Jordy in red card. He's our best twelve um, as far as the All Blacks go. I want to see him playing well. I do love watching him play, 
Um, so I don't want to seem red, red carded. Um, but um, this isn't an anti joy thing. It's just the, the situation he put himself in at the end of the day, um, in uh, in my mind, um, on that one. Um, Liner, a guy we were sort of talking about pre-season, seems to be settling in quite nicely into that Reds role as well at, um, at, 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 at 10. Um, taking his kicks, running the show. Um, not trying to be too flashy, but just um, just running things. I told you, it's all the Aussies, man. Aussies got all <laughs> the teens. I mean, he's got experience inside him. I think having Tate McDermott there for him is is really helpful. It will certainly have helped him out. McDermott's the guy who can take a bit of pressure off you, not only with the way he runs, but also with his, his power game and uh, how he gets around the paddock. So he's a good man to have. He's not got the inexperience. He's got a man that's uh, going to help him out for sure. But yeah, you've still got to step up. You've, like we, saw, we saw it in the opening game, didn't we? We spoke about it, how they how he actually stood up to his game and he did just what he had to do well. He, he didn't try to do too much. He just did his things. He's got Paisami outside him. He's got McDermott inside him. He's got guys who can cover for him. Um, but that Jordy Barrett tackle, I mean, why did it have to be on Pattaya? I don't, you know, it's, it's just like if someone's going to you know, stand on someone's leg, they're going to stand on Taliano Tupo's leg, aren't they? And when it comes to Australians, if someone's going to high tackle someone, they're going to high tackle Pattaya. It's like they're just an injury magnet, those sort of players. They just have it. So I hope he's not actually injured. But when I saw it, I was just like, oh, it had to be Pattaya. It just, it just had to be Pattaya, but unfortunate as it was. Um, but the Reds, really good. I mean, I'm, I've been impressed by them. I, I had expectations that they'll be competitive. I really liked them in their opening game against the Waratahs. And I really like, um, we're seeing a lot from them from um, the television coverage in Australia of uh, the way that they're coached and sort of the passion that is being instilled into this Red team. I, I think that really is making a huge difference for the side. Um, if you if you like swearing and stuff like that, you should try and find them because there's a lot of it um, and there's a lot of passion in it. It's really uh, next level, kind of like, screw those guys. Um, we're going to do this to them. We're going to do that to them. Uh, and it's it's not for the faint of ears, but man, uh, talk about buying in of the Blues. I think the Reds are doing much of that same sort of thing and they are buying into this passion of the jersey, which is something we've not seen from Australian teams, really, uh, for a long, long time. So it's, it's really nice, really good to see from them. And, hey, two games, a win, golden, oh, golden point, whatever loss, uh, they'll take that. That's really, really encouraging for them. And, I mean, talk at the, look at their team. And, you know, there's not too many players that are kind of being passengers aside from Vunavalu uh, in this side. So it's, it's really good to see and nice to see them stepping up. And uh, just the Hurricanes, though, are just a question, you know, are they contenders two rounds in? Do we really know? We don't really know. Um, they've not, I don't think they've shown us enough to say, yes, okay, this team is going to be right there near the end, but they've got guys who are standing up. I'm, I'm really happy to see uh, these young Hurricanes guys, which I've been, you know, jumping on the bandwagon about for a couple of years now, the Ruben Loves, um, you know, the Roy Guards, who's firmly, I mean, his bandwagon's long gone for me now. He's left me behind. <laughs> but I'm still there for Ruben Love, um, definitely for him. And it's good to see the uh, former Southlander, Josh Morby, really playing well on the wing too. He's really strong. He's bopped up a lot in the last couple of years and he's becoming a real threat down that right side uh, for the Hurricanes, despite, you know, not getting the tries. I think on the outsides with, with Naholo and Morby, you've got some powerful uh, pacey sort of guys. So looking good. Like we kind of know we're going to get from the Hurricanes back line, right? We know they're going to get guys that are out there scoring tries, um, but they seem to be and hopefully continue to step up in that forward pack. And, you know, the, the lack guys and the Yossies, those guys especially need to be, you know, the continuation of that next breed of, of forward pack for this Hurricanes team. 
Yeah, look, and, and the fact that Raisi uh, isn't getting into this team uh, is amazing uh, for those two um, those those two young wingers there um, for for that one. Look, I'm going to wrap things up because we've run well over. Um, we'll do a quick talk chat about the table. We've got the Chiefs, Hurricanes, and Blues at the top there, all with nine points. So I think at one bonus point and two wins. Then we get a very crowded um, middle of the table. Uh, the Reds um, on six points. They've got picked up two bonus points uh, with their win. The Highlanders uh, and Brumby, Brumbies and Rebels all on five. And the Waratahs and Moana Pacifica on four. Then we get down to the teams that aren't going so well. Um, the Crusaders. What? Oh, my God. One point <laughs> from two games. The Andrua also with one point from two games. And the team uh, and then the Western Force with zero. Two of those bottom three are meeting next week. Um, the Crusaders and uh, are traveling up to Fiji. So that'll be a cracker. Um in, uh, in that one. Other games um, next week, Moana Pacifica. Can their good run continue with their game against um, the Rebels? The Tars take yes. on the Highlanders. Boy, off yes. the back of that, can um, can we can we see uh, the Tars beating two Kiwi teams uh, in uh, in two weekends? Um, the Brumbies host the force. Boy, oh boy, both those teams could do with um, could do with the win to get their seasons back on track. The Canes versus the Blues, as you say, are the Canes the real deal? Because that's where we'll find out and then, the Reds versus, and then the Reds versus the Chiefs, boy, oh boy, um, that's also um, um, a, a, a good one. But I think the Reds are going to find that one tough in that last one there. But it is, the Chiefs are away. So there we go, boys. Anyway, thank you, um, Cornflake. We'll be back at 8 p.m. on Monday. Um, see you all then.